It's time for JT the Brick. Hey, JT, how you doing, man? Now there's a new team, and everybody's pretty much new, and I got their back. I want this thing to work. Everybody's got to get on the same page. JT the Brick. Yeah, there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be last-second losses. There's going to be a draft pick that doesn't make the team. Whatever it is, it's Raider Nation. JT, thanks for having me on. Always great to catch up with you, and keep it going, okay? I'll talk to you soon, man. And now, here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you. Thanks for joining us today on what I think is a busy week in sports. One of the best weeks of the year. The national championship last night in Tiger Woods at the Masters. Put this on my calendar as a big one. Top 10 week if you're a sports fan right here this week. And we're waiting for NFL news because the draft is here this month. So that'll be big. The remainder of this month is heavy draft coverage here in Vegas. But we got a big week in front of us. Tiger Woods pretty much gave you a guarantee today that he's going to play at Augusta. He's in a great mood. So that's huge. That just locked up my Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday backyard brick. A bucket of Modellos, not just on Friday, maybe Saturday and Sunday for that one. Can't wait for that in the national championship game last night. If you were at any of the PTs in town, you saw the energy and what they did for you, 5-7, to seven, midnight to 2. A lot of the PTs were packed. Uh, fans went there to watch the game, and it delivered as Kansas got blown out in the first half and had the greatest comeback in tournament history. When it comes to the deficit being down 16 points in the second half, we'll get to some of those highlights a little bit later on on the show here. We got a couple of guests. Jeff Sherman will join us from the Westgate, the VP of risk management on how that was bet last night. Wow. Kansas didn't cover the spread. Spread was four. They didn't cover, and a lot of people bet Kansas in the second half when they were down 15 to come back in the in-game and won. So there was a lot happening. If you're into gambling, A lot of people aren't good at it. That's the one thing I preach on the show. I don't gamble. I put gamblers on the radio, try to give you an edge. I think I know sports more than 90% of the gamblers that you hear because I've been doing it longer than them. I just don't put my money at risk like many who do because it's hard to win. I'm in the stock market. I'm in real estate. I'm doing radio twice a day. I don't like to throw my money into the wind. A lot of people do. They're not transparent. They don't tell you when they lose. And they tell you when they win on Twitter, they pop champagne when they win. They don't tell you when they lose. A lot of people lost money last night. That's why these casinos continue to expand. Bobby and I talked about that. They continue to expand. Oh, there's a new one, Durango Station. Oh, there's our friends at Resorts World. Oh, they're opening up a new one. Oh, there's a new 30. What's going on? How many people live in this town that can bet? After taxes, after their mortgage, after everything, their kids in school. I'm paying not one, but two out-of-state college tuitions. Don't switch with me. Man, come back to me in about three years, and you'll see that. But uh, that was fun last night to watch the game. I really enjoyed it. was on the radio for it. A lot of highs and lows, and I had fun. I was standing in my studio and screaming and yelling last night. My wife was watching in the other room. Wife doesn't like Bill Self because he bailed on Illinois where she went, so she was rooting and I thought North Carolina played great, but they, they were gassed. They were tired at the end. I'll get to that momentarily. Also, Bob Herrig's going to join us from Augusta National. Elite golf writer, SI.com. He wrote the book Tiger and Phil. Really good book that's out, a bestseller on Tiger, Phil, and their rivalry. We'll get to him. 
a little bit later on in the show, and an A-list guest, too, and A.J. Perez, front office sports. He broke the story this week that Florio and Peter King are writing about, about the Washington Commanders potentially skimming off the top and what he knows. So A.J. Perez, a little bit later on in the show. All right, what do I want to talk about today? That's what the show is. What do I want to talk about that you might be interested in? Today, it's Darren Waller. What is the value of Darren Waller going forward? You know, there's a lot of insanity going on. Notice I didn't say stupidity. I said insanity now because everybody is looking for Raider topics, which I don't do. I don't look for Raider topics. I've been doing this too long. I don't skim the bottom of the pool looking for Raider topics. If something's big with the Raiders... Now, yesterday we had Greg Townsend on. We have another 80s draft pick today coming up here. Andy Parker, we'll talk to him. But overall, I don't look for low-hanging fruit with the Raiders. That's what podcasts are for. Guys who don't have radio shows, and some of them, their podcasts are bigger than radio shows. But on a podcast, you can say, hey, man, Derek Carr, should we let him go or trade him? Darren Waller and do all that. Because people are looking for clicks, and they're looking for clicks Because I guess you need clicks to make money if you're in the podcast world. So Darren Waller is a new clickbait now. As some people, if you go into your Twitter search, I do this every day and I put in JT the Brick because I want to make sure I didn't do anything wrong. You know, not sliding into an idiot's DM. But usually if you just put my name in there, what comes up is JT the Bigger Figure. So there's nothing on me. And every day I wake up and there's nothing trending on me with Twitter I'm proud of. And maybe someday something will happen. I'll do something that I'll regret. If it's there on Twitter, I'll go on and apologize quicker than Will Smith. I've learned that. But if you put Darren Waller into your Twitter search, a lot comes up. And a lot comes up on the value of what's going on with him. And is he potential trade bait because he's going to want a new contract down the road? So why am I bringing this up? Because a lot of people are tweeting on it. If you look, there's a lot of action on this. And most of it's positive. I am a huge Darren Waller fan. Massive Darren Waller fan. We've had him on the show many times. I try to help him anywhere I can with promoting anything he's doing with his sobriety, his charities, his foundations. You've heard him on with me a bunch. I want him to be here long term for a number of reasons. He's a matchup nightmare. He's a matchup nightmare. And now he's going to work for Josh McDaniels, who is the king the undisputed king of the tight end. Rob Gronkowski going right to the Hall of Fame. The tight ends and the way they use them in the New England system, to see it happen here in Vegas is going to be sick. It's going to be amazing as Devontae Adams is double teamed, Renfro's in the slot, Josh Jacobs is catching wheel routes, and Darren Waller is running free as everybody else is being double teamed. So I believe that Darren Waller should be signed to a long-term deal. The problem is his availability last year, he was banged up a lot. Vinny Bonsignor wrote in his mailbag, and Bill Williamson, frequent guest to the show, has a Twitter poll on trade value here. And people are are asking, what is he worth? And that's what my question is to you today. The point of action, if your phone works. What is Darren Waller worth to you? Is he worth a long-term contract extension, making him the highest-paid tight end? Is he worth a trade? For a first-round pick to move up in the draft, I would say no, but it's a free radio show. Freedom of speech. What is he worth to you, and what do you think his long-term, long-term stake is here with the Raiders? Now, as Vinny wrote this on April 1st, and I believe it is April 5th today, so it's still 
fresh. He wrote his free agency hits a second phase and the focus begins to shift to the draft. Fans have questions raising from the possibility of trading Darren Waller to extending him on a new deal. And Vinny put out a sampling of what he saw this week in regards to Waller, Jacobs, Hunter Renfro, and Derek Carr all needing extensions at some point. That's great journalism. He's right. Vinny went on to write, there's no doubt that Darren Waller is underpaid. But it was his choice to sign a four-year contract for, for $29 million two years ago that gave him security of $10 million guaranteed. He was in the midst of a breakout season and set to become a restricted free agent when he decided to agree to a deal. So that was Darren's decision to lock up what he thought his value was at that time and guarantee money for him and his family going forward. Vinny Bonsignor in the Review Journal goes on to write, at the time it made sense, but today he is underpaid compared to his peers. As it stands, he has two years left on a deal worth roughly $7 million each year. At some point, this is Vinny, expect he and the Raiders to sit down and talk about a new deal. Although they might, that might not happen until after the season. So that's really good writing here by Vinny because he just covered everything perfectly. He said the Raiders have to make a decision to make or whether to pick up the fifth-year option on Jacobs. Doing so would mean Jacobs would be paid $8 million in 2022. So was that a good idea? And then you have Jonathan Abrams and what his deal is on his fifth-year option which I don't believe he's going to get. If he can get it, great. Good for him. He'll make more money. But I don't think people are are, are high on him making $11 million for the value that he's worth now. So I want to stick with Darren Waller and open up the phones today because we've got a busy show. Again, when I open the phones up, Bobby unlocks them. Big padlock because after the Rich Eisen show, you got to lock the phones and then unlock them again. Big lock, two combinations. And get your opinion on what you believe he is worth. Do you want to see him sign a short-term deal? Do you believe he deserves new money right now? Or do you want to wait and see until uh, to see how his health is this year, if he can remain healthy? I'm a Darren fan. I'm biased on the situation. I'm very biased, I would say, do a deal with him, Renfro, and Carr. I am I'm up in the air on Jacobs. I don't think you do a new deal on John Abram unless you can get him for cheaper, and it, and it makes sense, and that's about it for me. Everybody else got paid, Correct. Everybody got paid. Everybody got paid. Devontae Adams got paid. Big money Devontae Adams got. Max Crosby, friend of the show, Mad Max, he got paid. Chandler Jones is paid. Okay? That's who's getting paid. Derek Carr is getting paid. We all know that. Jacob's contract is up. We have to decide if he's going to get paid. Waller is underpaid. Okay? For the value... Dave Ziegler didn't do the Waller extension. He didn't do that at all. Dave Ziegler's got to be walking around that building going, wow, that's something nice to inherit. We got Darren Waller at that price? Whoa, that's a pretty good deal. I don't know what Darren and his agent think at this point in time, but I know that Darren takes the high road with everything he does. So being an employee of the team, working for the team, I don't get involved in anybody's money. They don't get involved with mine. I don't make $7 million a year. And about to get a $30 million or $40 million a year contract extension. But money means something to me. It means something to these guys. I don't get involved with the money of people that I work alongside with at any level. 
let them get whatever they can get. But I understand this is a business, and the people running the business only have so much money. And it feels like the Raiders are on a bit of a spending spree, which is a good thing because their revenues are up. Their revenues are up significantly. They have a new stadium, so their revenues will continue to go up. And I think this is a good time to be a Raider fan. It's not my money. It's not your money. Let them spend it. They have to figure out the cap, which is going up. And from time to time, there are going to be players who restructure their deals, which is really the most fascinating thing about the NFL, is that these contracts aren't guaranteed. But don't shed a tear for these guys. That's the sport they chose to play. They could be boxers. They can go to the UFC. They could try to play in the NBA. They chose to be NFL players. And the reason why NFL players' contracts aren't guaranteed long-term is they all, most of them get bleeping hurt all the time. And an NFL owner doesn't want to pay for a guy for three years on a guaranteed contract who got hurt. Talk to a baseball owner who paid a guy $230 million and he owes six, six years left on the guy at $35 million a year and the guy can't play anymore. NFL's not going to do that. They're too powerful. The owners control the league. They own the teams. They're the owners. They're not going to give out guaranteed money. Now they're starting to do it. Kirk Cousins should get a bust at the Hall of Fame, not inside the Hall of Fame with all the Hall of Famers, outside the Hall of Fame. When you walk through the exhibit, there should be a bust of Kirk Cousins, the first guy ever to get $84 million guaranteed. 84. Now Deshaun Watson's got $240 million. Deshaun Watson should buy a yacht for Kirk Cousins and park it in front of his house or in the bay by him and say, that's for you for getting that guaranteed money for us. So for everybody who wants guaranteed contracts, only a handful of guys are going to get them. They're going to get high guarantees. Aaron Rodgers held the Packers hostage, rightfully so. He won back-to-back MVPs late in his career. He wanted new, fat, guaranteed money, and he deserved it. But the fact that he took that money, which was over the top, and he's not worth that anymore because of his age— he was able to get it, but his age, I mean, you pay Aaron Rodgers that five years ago, you know you're going to have seven or eight years left. You don't know how much you're going to have. But part of that money has driven Devontae Adams to the Raiders. Part of the reason we have Devontae now and we don't have draft picks. So that's where I want to start with Darren Waller, 702-365-9200. I'll go first. I think that Darren should play under his contract because he chose recently to extend at that price. But he's still underpaid. And if he's able to get more money and his agent and the Raiders come to terms on that, that would be great. I think that if the Raiders want to win the Super Bowl in the short term, that would be two years. Uh, this year, the Vegas doesn't even think they're going to win eight and a half games, by the way. That's a, that's a big topic I got. You know, the Vegas sports books don't even think the Raiders are going to win eight and a half games, which is nine. They're taking the under. Let's get to that really quickly, Bobby, because I've been, I've been really going nuts on Twitter with that topic. Let me tell you exactly why the Raiders are projected to win less than nine games. Because most of the sportsbook operators here believe that due to the fact that the Raiders have changed their coaching staff completely, their front office, everything completely, that that will cause them to take a minor step back. Number two, talking to a sportsbook director, director on and off the record about this topic, they said, well, the issue becomes the gauntlet the gauntlet in the division is going to give them a loss or two that they didn't get last year. Because remember last year they swept Denver. Sports books don't think that could happen. Some sports book directors think Denver can sweep the Raiders. I'm not that guy. 
I think the Denver's overhyped. The Chargers have the ability to sweep the Raiders every year they play with Justin Herbert. I don't think they will. Raiders have the ability with Devontae Adams to sweep the Chargers. So you give them a split there. And then Kansas City owned the Raiders so dramatically last year. Anybody would be nuts to think that the Raiders are going to get anything more than a split with Kansas City. I was there. If you saw what Kansas City did to the Raiders last year, it was it was a crime. Okay, so right there, and then the Raiders have the third most difficult schedule in the league. How does that happen every year? Anybody want to do a documentary on that? And someone send a hidden camera into the scheduling office. Every year, Raiders could go 4-12, and 12, you know, back when there were 16 games, 8-8. Eight and eight. And every year I sit here, it's like the toughest schedule in football is the Oakland Raiders. Toughest schedule this year is the Las Vegas Raiders. So the sports books are saying, come on, come get some. You think the Raiders can win nine? You got to bet over eight and a half. So I think Raider Nation should all throw a couple hundred on that bet. It's going to be a long season. If you did last year, you won. If you did last two years and you took Denver under, you won. And the Chargers are the most hyped team in the league because they deliver coffee, croissants, and stuffed animals to the media in L.A. to try to get them to pay attention. So the media in L.A. talks about the Chargers at nauseum because the media gets delivered stuffed animals, coffee, bagels, and croissants. You think I'm making that up? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. The caravan pulls up and delivers that crap. And people go, oh, man, Chargers are in the lobby. What are they doing here? Oh, they're giving uh, coffee and bagels today. And then everybody goes, oh, let's talk about it. Let's do a podcast on the Chargers. How's that worked out? How's that worked out? So that's where I'm going. I'm in rare form today. I am ripping, ready to go here. I'm so excited that Tiger Woods is going to be playing. Bobby, get me um, to this Tiger. Let's play this Tiger here quickly. I can't wait to get to it. Tiger was asked about the potential to win the Masters, not just compete in the Masters. Can he win? Well, do you think you can win the Masters this week? I do. And what have you seen in your preparation that leads you to believe that? Well, I can I can hit it just fine. And I, I, I don't have any qualms about what I can do physically from a golf standpoint. It's now walking is the hard part. That's great. Do you think you can win? I do. Yes. I, that's why he's there. That guy doesn't show up to hit a ceremonial drive. He'll do that in the 70s. He's there to win. Uh, one more from Tiger Woods. The comeback, which remember, he could have died in that car accident. He could have lost his leg. The turbulent rehab that he's going through, he's still going through it. How has your preparation gone, and where's your confidence level in your game so far through that preparation? Well, the the preparation has been been great. You know, I've been able to hit balls and uh, do all that stuff, and uh, you know, I, I can do all that stuff. It, it's just the walking. I mean, the, the damage has been done to the leg. It's 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 tough. You know, and it's been a hard year and. Um, a lot of, lot of hard work, and I've had just an unbelievable team of uh, therapists and physios and obviously my, all my surgeons that have helped me out uh, to get me to this point and to a point which in which you know that I'm now able to have this opportunity to uh, play practice rounds here at Augusta, play with Freddie and JT again, uh, things that we've been talking about you know for a while that you know, obviously I didn't get to do at the last Masters, and we, can, we missed it. They missed... Uh, we just miss the, the chiding that, that goes on during, during that nine holes. And we're going to have a blast again tomorrow. What's been the most difficult part of this <clears throat> attempted comeback, this comeback right now? Is it the injury, trying to get through the injury, or trying to figure out your swing, trying to figure 
them once again. Well, the swing part's easy. I can do that. Uh, it's dealing with the pain each and every day. Um, it's just a lot of pain all day, every day. All right, you are looking live at JT sitting in my backyard this weekend with buckets of Modellos watching this. I cannot wait for this. I mean, I am I am just fired up to watch golf and Tiger and talk about Tiger Woods here. But we're going to lead off the show on the value of Darren Waller. How important is he to you and what the Raiders are trying to do? And where do you think he fits in long term? I'm a big Waller guy. Don't ask me where I stand. I'm saying build around Waller. I'm a massive Waller guy. And that's because I see him and I know what he brings to the team. David in Vegas, start us off on 920. Hello, David. Hi there. Hey, I, I think you pay Waller, you pay Renfro, and you pay Carr right now because it's going to be cheaper for us to pay him now than it is to pay him next year. They earned it. They don't deserve it. They earned it. They get paid. And as far as Jacobs and Abram go, trade them, do whatever you want because they're a dime a dozen. I think that Josh Jacobs is worthy of more than a dime a dozen. I think he's a little better than uh, that. Yeah, come on. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of running backs out there. Look at what happened with, uh, with, with the Cowboys. We don't want to do what the Cowboys did with Zeke and Dak. We don't want to wait. We don't want to do it the wrong time. There's a right time. And the reality yeah. is Jacobs hasn't done what we thought he was going to do. Yeah, I, I would agree on that front. I wouldn't pay Josh. I wouldn't overpay Josh. I don't know what the market is for him and exactly what they're going to do, but I think this is a prove-it year for him. I do. I, I think I'd make, you know, there's guys I would make play their fifth-year option out. There are also other players who would hold out and not play. I don't think Jacobs is in that situation. He's been paid a lot of money. He's been available at times. He played great the last stretch of the year, which really is going to help him going forward. And you know, it's not going to change with Josh Jacobs. We all like him. We all want him to be here. But you got to average, you know, you, you can't get 60 yards a game in the league. You got to be explosive. Jonathan Taylor is the type of player you want to build around. And I think that's going to motivate Josh, who's a hard worker, passionate Raider, checking in in Illinois on Raider Nation Radio. Go ahead. What's up, JT? Man, it's a good topic. It's a topic I've been talking about a lot, thinking a lot about as Waller, too. Also, we love the man for everything he's done, everything he's been through. But in my eyes, and the reality of the situation is, the man's going to be 31, and he wants that big payday. He deserves that big payday. Can we afford that big payday? Not my money, not your money, not our money, but we'd love to see him in silver and black. But then my also thing is, is there enough balls to go around to make everybody happy? With all the, with all the balls, with all the monsters on this offense now, we've just got too many people to feed. And I don't know if, if, if sacrificing trying to do one more year with him will be okay, but I think – a lot of people that we talk to, he's going to walk next year because he's going to demand that, that, that money. So do you get something for him now while you still have a little bit of value for him? Or do we take the chance that next year he leaves for free and we don't get nothing? Love Darren Waller to death. He's always balled out. But 14 touchdowns in three years, and sometimes I kind of see him and Karin on the same page. And when he had that little interview last year, as soon as they said clutch sports, it didn't grind my head that I thought there was going to be something coming up. But – JT, I love the man. I'm really hyped about our Raiders right now. We have got a squad that these guys have put together. I started looking at all the low-key players that we have that these boys have brought in. Josh McDaniels, Mark Davis, Dave Ziegler. You guys are blowing my mind, man. But I'm just trying to keep my peace, JT. I get hyped every single year. My dad told me getting Sunday at work. Like, damn, man, Raiders really. Oh, you son. Every year. Every year you say it, they don't do nothing. So you know what? I have got a humble a humble calmness right now with these boys because I want nothing more 
for the damn championship banner on my wall. Let's go, Raiders! Darren Waller has the ability to play at a higher level if he's healthy. He's got to be healthy. Down the stretch there, it was really rough hosting the pregame show with Eric Allen with no Darren Waller, waiting every week for him to come back uh, through injury. And he was able to answer the bell down the stretch where the Raiders needed him, and they needed him in a big way. I thought that Darren Waller should have been a bigger part of the offense in the game against Cincinnati. I did not believe when you looked at Cincinnati or other matchups that I was a big believer in forcing Darren Waller the ball. I was a big believer. I'm not a big believer in that anymore because of Devontae. I think now, you know, you can sit here if you're a Raider fan and you go, how many touches should these guys get a game? Devontae Adams should get the most. Darren Waller and Renfro split between them. Then you look at other guys who might be open, more open, because other guys are getting double teamed. If Darren Waller is going to be here long term, you've got to pound away at him and get him the ball. You've got to keep him healthy. He's the type of guy, you know, at the end, when he was injured, he didn't have to practice. He didn't have to. You just give him a senior day. You give him a day off. Yeah, I didn't need to see him practice when I was over at the facility. And he was out there stretching. He didn't have to. But this is a new regime. They're putting in a new offense. It's a tight end heavy offense if you look at Gronkowski's Hall of Fame career. And I think that Darren's going to play a big role in all this. He really is. He's going to play a big role in all this going forward. And he has to. Because he's that important. He's a game changer. He's a game breaker. He has to be healthy. I'm assuming he's going to be completely healthy and ready to go. And I don't think Darren's going to pout about his money. Running around the facility saying, I'm underpaid. Knowing what Devontae's getting, what Carr's going to get, what everybody's going to get there. He signed that contract extension. He did it. His, his ink is dry. Now he has to play under that. But... He's got a lot of early opportunities in life, too, endorsements to make more money. And I don't think he's driven by money. I think he's driven about his overall plan to save other people, help other people. But money's important because he is a superior athlete. Hey, coming up next, Andy Parker drafted in the fifth round out of Utah. Uh, He came to the Raiders in the 80s, in 84. Special team standout. We'll get his draft story. Also this week, Vance Mueller. And possibly Tim Brown, as we are in the 80s. Greg Townsend got a lot of good reviews from that interview yesterday, all about Greg. It was all about Greg and what he brought to the table. We look back at the history of the Raiders draft, brought to you by PT's Best Happy Hour in Town. This JT the Brick Legends moment is brought to you by M Resort, the official team headquarters hotel of the Las Vegas Raiders. Eight minutes on the play clock, third and three. Carr is back, looks in underneath, got Waller, there's the record. And a first down, out of bounds at the 30-yard line. Congratulations to Darren Waller, the all-time single-season reception leader for the now Las Vegas Raiders. Great call. Way to find that, Bobby. We're talking about the value of Darren Waller today, the godfather. Brent Musburger on the call. We look back at the Raiders draft history. We're in the 80s. 
uh, brought to you by the M Resort Spa and Casino. Andy Parker, kind enough to join us, former tight end, special teams standout, two-time special teams captain in 1987 and 88 out of Utah. Andy, thanks for doing this. Welcome to Raider Nation Radio. How are you? Yeah, doing great. Good to be here. Tell me about the backstory there from Red, uh, Redlands, California, high school football. First, how you made your way to Utah. What was the big break in high school that got you to play in college? Well, it, it's kind of a long story, but uh, I was technically a walk-on in college because uh, uh, I was supposed to I – was, I was really a linebacker coming out of high school, supposed to go to Washington. Uh, they, they committed to me. Everybody else went away, and at the last second, they reneged. And so I was – after the signing date, just kind of floating around until uh, I got a note from my coach to come to the office and talk to this coach from Utah. And so, so I did. I ran a, four, a 40 for him and caught some balls. And the next thing I know, they offered me a scholarship to be a tight end. Incredible. And so, uh, yeah. So, anyway, you know, uh, kind of a God moment for sure. And so I went up, had a visit, unofficial. And, uh, you know, they worked it out where they, they added me into their scholarships, uh, I think, a year later, however it works. Andy Parker is our That's guest. So, yeah, I love how you said it was a God moment for you. It's, it's incredible. I get blown away when I talk to your former teammates and everybody who says there was this one moment, this one workout, yeah. I did this, you get this break. So then you get to Utah and you go to that program. What distinguished you at Utah that set you up for the NFL? You know, that's a really good question because when I got to Utah, uh, I was about 200 pounds and not that strong, but I could run like the wind. So through a lot of hard, you know, effort and working out and dedication, uh, you know, and drug-free, I might add, uh, I built myself up uh, to where I uh, became the strength conditioning All-American, was ranked second in the in the country coming out of the Combines. And... Uh, you know, had a, had a decent senior season where they, they could see that I could catch a ball. And so then it was like game on. You know, it was like a like a locomotive. Like it's hard to get off. But, uh, you know, once they could see that you could play and you had good speed and you're athletic and you could catch a ball, yeah, it was, it was, it was interesting. Andy Parker joins so, us, former tight end for the Raiders special team standout. So the, the athleticism, the ability to work, to grind in the gym, to play at a big school like Utah, then the 1984 draft comes up. You're selected in the fifth round, pick 127. Did you expect to go before that? Did you expect to go after that? Uh, how did you drop there and uh, Mr. Davis get you in round five? Well, you know, I, I wasn't expecting the Raiders to, to pick me up. They just won the Super Bowl. And, you know, I had a high respect for the Raiders and, you know, enjoyed them. My father was a big fan growing up. So, you know, that was awesome. But uh, I honestly thought I was going to go in the third round to the, to the Cowboys. Um, but that didn't happen. And, you know, I think, uh, I think the Raiders traded for me to get a pick. I think they worked a deal with the Colts or something. And, uh, they uh, they took their pick and ended up you know drafting me at that at that point and at I, and I think because they were Super Bowl champ and whatnot I was their third pick in the fifth round so um, that's uh, you know very very happy it worked out that way. What happened, Andy, when you got to the Raiders coming off a of Super Bowl? I can't imagine what training camp 
must have been like. Your head must have been on a swivel seeing all those legends, future Hall of Famers, and walk me through how you fought your way through training camp to make the team and land as a tight end in special teams. What's that story like? Well, you know, uh, for sure there was, uh, you know, uh, a decent amount of overwhelm, and you know, I felt very honored to be a part of that group. Um, uh, like you said, a lot of Hall of Famers and great players and good friends of mine now, and, and I feel very privileged to have that opportunity. But, uh, you know, at that time, Todd Christensen was holding out. Mm. And so um, I ended up uh, having a decent preseason, and I think uh, his wife pressured him to come back to camp. Um, and so, uh, you know, as a result of that, I had to take second, second position. And, you know, because I wasn't Todd Christensen, I wasn't starting, you know, I had to figure out what else I could do. And so technically I was a linebacker and they asked me if I could cover a kick and uh, lo and behold, I could. And so things kept building from there. And you know, I became a long snapper, a special teams captain. I was, you know, goal line, short yards, goal line specialist. Uh, you know, I, I could, I could do a lot. Of and there's an old saying, you know, the more you can do, the more valuable you are. So I just tried to figure out, you know, how I could be as valuable as I could and they found favor in me, and like I said, by the grace of God, you know, I was able to last seven years. That's a great story. Andy Parker joins us, former Raider tight end, special teams captain. Andy, what was your most memorable moment as a Raider on the field? Oh, gosh, uh, that's a good question. I, I've had so many of them. Um, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if I have an answer to that. You know, I mean, there's, you know, certain catches and certain things, but I would say just the overall experience of being a Raider uh, is, is a huge highlight. You know, there's something about being a Raider that uh, I don't think is in many other uh, organizations. And I just feel very privileged to, to have uh, been a part of that. Fantastic. What uh, last one, what influence did Al Davis have on your life? <laughs> well, uh, I would have to say that no one person is bigger than the organization. Right. And yeah. so that was true uh, for, for the Raiders. And, you know, there was one guy that personified what a Raider was, and that was Al Davis. So I had a lot of respect for him that way. Thanks for doing this, Andy. Really interesting story. Great run with the Raiders. Great uh, draft story out of Utah. We hope we see you out here in Las Vegas often. Where are you living now? Uh, I'm in San Diego. Oh, awesome. So I'm assuming you yeah. can get up here pretty quick and uh, come to a couple of games as an alumni and, and see us. We'd like to spend more time with you. For sure. Would love it. Thank you, Andy. There he is, Andy Parker. Appreciate that. The backstory of the 1980s, Andy Parker. Appreciate him coming on. I wasn't that familiar with him, but his story is really unique. It's seven years. Seven years with the Raiders. Three different numbers, 81, 85, and 89. Special teams captain for two years, and, hey, man, the guy got a big break. Todd Christensen's holding out. He makes the team and plays in a nice run in, in Los Angeles. Appreciate the alumni department for that. All right, let's keep it going here. Let's get to Raider Mac in Los Angeles, as we just talked about the L.A. Raiders. Go ahead, Mac. Hey, uh, Britt. How you doing, man? Good. And thank you for the show, man. Thank I you. Mean, you know, without the Raider uh, show, man, you know, the national media and East Coast bias, and people say, oh, you know, you're just making this up. Man, they don't give us no respect. We get Devontae Adams, we get all this stuff, and they still, we went to the playoff, they still picking the Chargers and all these other teams over us, and I know why. It's because our quarterback. They they feel he's the fourth um, 
the uh, fourth worst quarterback in, in the division. But I, uh, I just want to say thank you for everything you do for us, man. All the interviews and stuff. I, man, this 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 is heaven. You know, uh, this is Raider heaven. Hey, Vin, hey, Brick. I just want to say one thing. You know, every time we 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 do, you know, mm. about Darren Wall. Why would we want to trade Darren Waller? We got to keep our talent. We got to stop letting our talent go out the door. Pay mm. these guys. I mean, you can't pay everybody. I agree mm. with that. But Waller is exceptional. You you let him go, and, 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 and it's just bad. I'm, I'm with Waller and you. I mean, I, I'm not saying I'm not saying that he he's the greatest tight end ever, but he's one of the top three tight ends. And mm. if you look at injuries, also. Uh, Brick, uh, what's the name in San Francisco? It was hurt a whole Kittle. season, and Kittle he got he got paid. Just pay the guy. Yeah, I, but I'm all for. I'm, he just got. Everything. You got. Thank you, thank you for calling. Don't thank me. I appreciate having this platform and guys like you calling. No one's saying don't pay Waller. The the point becomes he already paid. He's already been paid. The question becomes what is his value now as he's underpaid? Do you give him a new deal quicker? Do you redo that deal, give him more money, and then build the offense around him and Devontae Adams? It's a big decision financially what they have to do. And Darren Waller has to be available. He has to be healthy and has to be a big part of this team going forward. He has to be available. And I think he'll get everything he wants in life. He's too good of a player. He's really a good player. And everybody knows that. We're going to get to all your calls. Appreciate you being patient today. Sometimes when it rains, it pours. You bring up something like this, everybody wants to chime in. What is the value of Darren Waller going forward? Also coming up, Jeff Sherman over at the Westgate. They got a hell of a week. He is the number one golf handicapper in the world. In the world. Jeff Sherman's going to join us next on Tiger Woods Odds and How to Bet Him. Do you think you can win the Masters this week? I do. And what have you seen in your preparation that leads you to believe that? Well, I can I can hit it just fine, and I I, I don't have any qualms about what I can do physically from a golf standpoint. It's now walking is the hard part. Tiger Woods, we'll see him at the Masters on Thursday. JT back with you, Jeff Sherman, VP of Risk Management over at the Westgate. On top of everything, the best golf handicapper in the world and. Before we get to what happened in the national championship game, what changes with Tiger now as you set the odds for him making the cut, uh, not making the cut, or having an outside opportunity to contend on Sunday? Yeah, you know, when I put these odds up uh, about a year ago, he was 100 to 1, was unlikely for him to play, and but it would have been a refund if he hadn't played. And we saw some decent sized wagers on him at 100 to 1. And then this past week, when he uh, showed up to the course, it started heating up uh, at the window. So down to 80 to 1 and then with him announcing he's likely to play we're sitting at 60 to 1 and still seeing support for him and you mentioned the cut uh, I opened the for him to make the cut yes plus 120 no minus 140 we actually saw some sharp money and we're down to even money on the yes 
What makes you think that he has a possibility to make the cut here? Because he always goes out very conservative, as you know, on Thursday. One over, even, one under. He's not a guy that comes out and tries to go low like he does on Sunday when he's in contention. How important is this opening round for him to get out in the group he's getting out with and just manage that round? Yeah, you know, the the question I have about him playing is getting through four days with his leg and having those issues and, so getting through a round or two is more conducive to him making the cut, but four straight days might take its toll. And if he were to make the cut, I could see him fading just because of uh, how much stress would be on his leg. But, um, you know, this is not an easy walking course. It's one of the more difficult ones these guys have to go through. So that's something he has to consider. But, yeah, he's, with two days of play, I think in his mind that he's ready to do it. And thus you see we're right around pick him on it. Uh, what do you have, Scotty Scheffler, with the way he's playing this year, considering there's golfers that are better than him historically, especially at Augusta National, but he's having a big year? Yeah, number one in the world now, a quick ascension to the top there. And uh, we're sitting at 16-1. to 1. He's seeing a lot of betting support for him. And, you know, not only with his play right now, but he's played Augusta twice and finished top 20 each time, which is tough for newcomers to do. So, uh, you know, he's got some course form, and the way he's playing right now, he's uh, top of the game. Who has shorter odds, Dustin Johnson or Brooks Kepka? Right now, I've got them each the same at 18-1. to 1. Okay. And, uh, You know, they're very similar in a matchup. Uh, Dustin Johnson's favorite over Kepka, but um, it's those are two guys that are extremely popular that aren't you're not used to seeing that far out, usually 12-14-1. Uh, but their games haven't been on point. Kepka a little bit better, in my opinion. Uh, I found 20 to one on him. I think that he's played well in some tournaments. He doesn't pinpoint to play well in, you know, he, he really strives for the majors. Uh, so he's got some good form coming in right now. Jeff Sherman joins us, VP risk management, Westgate. Where's the public on John Rahm? Another guy who should have won this tournament, a wants to win this tournament, uh, a type of guy who can dominate a course on a, a Friday, Saturday, as long as he's on the leaderboard Sunday, where's the money with him? Not too much so far. He's one of our better positions. You know, we were at eight to one a few weeks back, and now he's all the way up, fluctuating between eleven and twelve to one to try to find some support for him there. But the sharps are definitely supporting him in matchups, and they mm-hmm. bet Rom against Scheffler and Cameron Smith in the matchups. Rory McIlroy, always a favorite there, who has a couple of big disasters behind him, is clearly the one everybody's waiting to break through. Yeah, he's sitting at twenty to one, and uh, not too many people are keen on him and. You know, he's just he's had so many opportunities before where people supported for for him to win his uh, last uh, major of the Grand Slam and hasn't come through in so long that I think people are getting tired of spending their money on it. I love going to the Westgate to watch the Masters. It's the best environment in sports gaming. Go check it out no matter where you're listening. When you come to Vegas, you go to the Westgate. Let's get back to the National Championship, Jeff, and what you saw in that game. Kansas wins, but they don't cover. But I want to ask you what happened in-game when Kansas was down 15 at the half. I know a lot of fans were tweeting and talking about Kansas making that comeback. How many fans were on the right side of that? Yeah, we saw a lot of support at halftime when Kansas was laying 7.5 for the second half and in play. That was a loser for us as people were betting Kansas money line, Kansas points all through the adjustment. So when they were down by double digits, it gave people an opportunity that before the game might not have bet Kansas but had a better price then. And it paid off because if you bet Kansas before the game, uh, they were really no less than a four-point favorite yesterday. So you would have lost with the point spread. Do you have any tickets before the tournament on North Carolina winning? Did you have liability on Carolina to win it all? 
we actually did in the 100-to-1 and 80-to-1 range. It built up over the course of the season. They were a large liability for us, especially in New Jersey. So we evaded that one. And, you know, for the Superbook standpoint, it was an optimal result with Kansas winning but not covering and allowed us to evade that liability. I thought what was interesting in that game, Jeff, is that they didn't manage their timeouts. Hubert Davis should have called the timeout earlier in the second half when it got out of control. And then those guys were rolling their ankles. I mean, to see what happened with two of their best players rolling their ankles and not able to be productive down the stretch, it was like almost a perfect storm for Kansas as they got back into the game quickly in the second half, and then guys were banged up and looked really gassed for North Carolina late coming off that Duke win. Yeah, and Baycott was banged up coming in, and he played surprisingly well. If you look at the stats, he went over his proposition stats. But I thought the key to it was the first four or five minutes of the second half. And if North Carolina had won that battle, they probably would have won the game. But Kansas came out and uh, took over, and really it was the opposite halves. All right, Jeff, tell me about Major League Baseball starting up here on Thursday, uh, win totals. Give us a couple of examples, Dodgers, Yankees, Seattle, maybe some of the favorites here, some of the numbers that should jump out at us. Yeah, the Dodgers, we opened 100 and a half, and you know, usually with those high numbers, we see under support, so we're sitting at 99 and a half. Uh, but some of our bigger moves on the win totals, Tampa from 90 and a half to 89 and a half, uh, San Diego has moved up a bit. You know, they've made some off-season acquisitions, getting Sean Manea recently. Uh, and in the outright markets uh, to win the, the championship, the Angels are our largest liabilities. That's been building up for a while. We opened mm. them at 40 to 1. Uh, we're sitting less than 20 to 1 right now. So the Angels is the one that the uh, Superbook needs to evade. Wow. So all that money coming in on the Angels, Syndergaard, Otani, uh, Trout, does that have to do with the t- health of Trout? That, t- Trout really runs that number. If he breaks down like he has been the last couple of years, middle of the season, it seems like they're done. If he could have a healthy year, I could see why he could be a liability. Yeah, well, that's pretty much what people are looking towards. Now you have the two top players in baseball between Trout and Otani on the same team, hopefully healthy adding some pieces, like you mentioned, center guard, and uh, giving it a run at some long odds. Last question, the Lakers not making the playoffs. Who had that? <laughs> Who thought of that? And what happens with the Lakers out of this thing as we begin the NBA playoffs? Now, we actually had a $1,000 wager on them missing the playoffs at 10-1 to odds. So somebody's mm. going to be rewarded nicely there. But the Lakers talked about many times, uh, they were our largest liability in the futures. And they're sitting at 250 to one right now, and they should be higher because they're not going to make it. Uh, but it's uh, that's one that the book's going to evade because I've been pretty aggressive saying how poor they were this year, writing a lot of money on the Lakers. Thank you, Jeff. Talk to you next week. Appreciate you. All right, thanks, JT. Jeff Sherman over at the Westgate. Wow, how about that? Betting the Lakers not to make the playoffs at that odds, getting that payday. He's got one ticket on that. Surprised there wasn't more. Maybe there are at smaller ticket prices there and as jeff told you about betting the masters i cannot believe how many text messages i'm getting from buddies want me to get in these masters pools you know you pick a bunch of different players in different categories and try to predict a winner but tiger woods and his ability to make the cut there that's a fun bet that is a great fun bet if you are a gambler how do you and golf gambler how do you not have action on that it's one or the other he makes the cut or he doesn't I think a lot of people are going to be fading Tiger Woods, thinking that he's going to show up there, try to play well, but you know it's going to get out of control on him early or sometime on Friday, and he's going to miss it. If Tiger makes the cut, Saturday and Sunday becomes must-see television. If he's anywhere near the leaderboard on Saturday before he tees off, 
Ratings are going to explode. Everybody's going to watch, and it'll be fun to see. A couple of years ago, I was on the air live. Wire to wire as he won the Masters. It was one of my most memorable days ever on the radio. I did a four-hour show from the first hole to when he won and made the putt. I did it on Sirius XM. I'll never forget it. And nobody thought he was going to win that one. And he ended up doing it. I just hope he makes the cut. JT, one hour up, one more to go. We're talking about Darren Waller today. I'll reset at the top of the hour, plus the national championship game recap. And A.J. Perez.